You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm Jordan, the host of The Horny Housewife. If you're new here, I talk about disgusting things that we all want to fucking talk about. And a lot of people aren't talking about it. And guess what? Here I am talking about it. Usually I fly solo on these bad boys. I rock them out. I crank them out. I get it all out. It's, I think it is something that either you can do it or you can't. I don't know if it's a pro or a con that I can talk to myself this long, like for this long and it just go. But that's you know, perspective, it's in the eye of the beholder. But today I do, you know, every now and then I occasionally bring in someone, spice it up, jive it up. Cause you're like, bitch, I'm sick of your voice. So I do have a lovely guest at the end of the episode, Dr. Jones. He is the host of sex therapy with Dr. Jones. You can listen to that anywhere you enjoy podcast. And we just talk about the things like I basically, you know, word vomit onto him what I think people want to hear from a sex therapist. Or let's just be honest, what I wanted to hear. I did take a few of your listener questions that y'all submitted. And uh, yeah, I think you'll like it. Mixing it up here. I hope everyone is enjoying 2022. Uh, Mercury is in retrograde for all of my, you know, star lovers out there. So we might be feeling funky to, you know, February 3rd, and then it's all up from here. I am predicting March is when we just start jiving it up. Okay, that's when the real New Year started. January and February were just a fluxy. March is just gonna rain down the good shit. Okay, claiming, receiving, believing. Bitch, I thought this was a sex podcast. It is. It is. If you're new here, don't worry. Hold on. So what's the date? Today's the 17th. Okay, so Valentine's Day is just around the corner. It'll be here before you know it. So men, I have a large male listenership. Is that the right word, listenership? Um, Audience. Freaky fam, I love you. If you know, you know. So I'm just trying to have your back because... You know, you got to put a little more effort into just this popping in your head the week before or three days before. And I think that's where like guys, some guys, it's a personality type, but some guys will go wrong where they could have just made this uh, out of the park home run. Doesn't have to be like, you don't have to go spend a million dollars or anywhere close to that to make it a really nice Valentine's Day for her. But if you put it off and you procrastinate, you are cutting yourself short, okay? I'm looking out for you. I know you want to get laid, okay? And I know if any of the women listening, I know that you know it's going down on Valentine's Day. So you need to be prepared as well because I know, and I am guilty of this, I am guilty of this, as being like, this is my holiday, okay? And March 14th, is steak and blowjob day. So you get March 14th and I get February 14th. So I will make sure that you're having beef in my mouth on in a month from now and you make sure that I feel like a pretty, pretty fucking princess on Valentine's Day. And because I'm so honest and forthcoming, ow, I just bit my lip, I will tell you that I think I totally forgot about March 14th the last two years. I think that day just came and went. And 
Uh, yeah, I think it did. But before that, I was pretty good about even getting a card. Like they make March 14th cards, steak and blowjob. I think it's, you know, pretty known, maybe 50%, you know, every two out of four people know what I'm talking about. I don't know. That's a poll I should take. Have you ever heard of steak and blowjob day? Anyways, the point is this, I'm not giving like this super itemized, watch it turn into that. Uh, I just really write bullet points for each episode and she just goes, she just goes. But I said V-Day gift guide. And I don't know if this is going to be more of a like, what the fuck you shouldn't, shouldn't do more than like, uh, go to Macy's and find like, it's not going to be like that. So I might tell you my favorite shit. I got some favorite shit to tell you about, but that that's as far as that goes. But guys make a note right now on your phone, something make fucking reservations at a really amazing restaurant. Because if you wait, you are cutting your list in half, maybe even three fourths. Okay. Because people book up for Valentine's day quick on all the badass places. So you want to find if all you're going to do is dinner, if it's not going to be like gifts or anything like, and it's just like a romantic date night for you're celebrating for Valentine's day, get the best fucking place. Don't go take her to the place. You always go your favorite place, the place you frequent on date night, take her somewhere different. Like make it spicy, you know, change the atmosphere, show her you put a little fucking thought into it. Especially since we're married, guys, it gets so routine. I can, I relate. I feel you. I, I'm feeling it with you together and we love our partners, but we have to actively be intentional about sometimes not being so goddamn predictable. And I feel like I should definitely clarify. I'm not saying like be toxic all the time, which I, I'm known for giving some mildly toxic advice every now and then when needed, because I got you girl. But mostly, mostly I'm trying to give solution oriented. I'm trying to help men understand their women more or women understand their husbands more. And I think that it's important that we don't always like fall into the autopilot routine because for both per- people, for like both parties involved, that gets boring. So both a woman, a man, a wife, a husband can agree that it's nice to spice it up, to rev it up, to do something different out of the usual. It can be something so subtle like listening to this podcast together, or it can be something super fucking wild and use your imagination. I apologize for my tangent. The point was, is I hope you wrote a little memo, make reservations, find a badass restaurant. How do I find all the badass places to eat as a uh, foodie? I would say that I am. I would go ahead and take the label on as a foodie. Yelp. I'm a Yelper, avid Yelper. Love reading the reviews because... People, some people are like, oh, people only go leave a review if they're pissed about something. I beg to differ because if I am blown out of the water, I am a Yelper review. I love telling people what to order or the best thing on the menu that was the same fucking thing or just my experience if it was so bomb.com. So men, get your asses to Yelp in and find the place, call the place. Tell her to look pretty the time she needs to be ready. That'll be a turn on. That'll be a fucking turn on. If you have kids, have the babysitter come 
like an hour and a half before so that she can get ready and silence. Or if you got her back, she can get ready. And when she's getting ready, don't have the kid like coming in and checking on her every 10 minutes. Okay. That's a common complaint. So that's just not me being bitter. I promise I speak for all women when we say like, give us 60 minutes where we don't even see the fuckers. Okay. Happy mommy, happy child, right? Happy parents, happy child. Some people are like, I know it could be judgmental. Like, why does she, she might, she prioritizes her husband over her kids. And like, I would murder someone over my children. Okay. No one fuck with my kids ever, but my husband is first. He is because happy relationship happy family. So some people might disagree. Some women might say, no, the kids come first, but then how can you have a healthy relationship that you need to mirror for your family? God, she's just all over the fucking place today, isn't she? Let's get into gifts. Like what would we get one another for Valentine's Day? What are badass shit to get your wife so she feels special? You're like, Jordan, dinner's not going to be enough or dinner's not going to be able to happen. So I would say if you're doing dinner, the go-to flowers, chocolates, nice note, whether it's, you know, if you're balling, some jewelry, a purse. I mean, if you're balling, you don't need me to fucking give you an advice. You know exactly what to do. Uh, If you're not balling, we can still ball on a budget, okay? One tip I'm going to give is no matter what you're going to do, I do think the standards, like if you can't go full out $300 bouquet, and nice chocolates, you can get a $69 bouquet and some Kroger chocolates and the, and just needs, the sentiment needs to happen. There's a red box in the shape of a heart somewhere. You can get flowers and chocolates at Walgreens for all we fucking care. Some women might care, but I'm sure you know which kind of girl you have, okay? So go from there. But flowers, if we don't see flowers at one point in the day, we're like, do they even love us? Do they even fucking love us? Unless the gift is killer. Unless it's something I'm going to open and be like, mm-hmm. Then I fr- flowers what? Flowers die. Fuck flowers. Okay? But that's that's for those species. And not trying to put the pressure. Not trying to put the pressure. It's just Valentine's Day. I'm just trying to give a little bit of an option for every type of man. Okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, out of my mouth, to you, to you, is that all she wants to see is that you are thoughtful, okay? All she wants to see is that you gave a fuck, and I mean, doesn't Valentine's Day kind of make y'all feel romantic too? Does it? I mean, it's a holiday of fucking love. I mean, I feel like nobody wants to be single. What did they used to call it? Singles Awareness Day. I was always the girl in high school that was alone on Valentine's Day. Always, always, always. I think it was a little traumatizing, honestly. (laughs) But hey, I haven't peaked yet. I haven't peaked. So I think mostly now we've, we've covered what the men need to do. I will say if you are really struggling for a gift and you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do, uh, get her like a spa, something self-care related, spa day, nails, a foot massage, something that's going to be an escape, a getaway. That's always something I think a woman, a mother, a wife appreciates and enjoys. Okay. Now girls, ladies, wives, 
in committed relationships, but you don't want to fucking marry him. I get it. The, you, I'm talking to everyone, <laughs> everyone in a relationship looking for their man a gift. You've been with him for a while. What the fuck are you going to get him? Or you haven't, you've been with them a year, but you're like, men are fucking hard to shop for because they either have bought themselves what they need. You, it just can be a task at times. And I will tell you the number one, like what you need to think of when you buy a gift is what is something they will use? What is something they will use? Okay. So I've bought, I've got my husband a briefcase before. You can get a briefcase monogrammed and it's just something if your husband goes to the office, like perfect. You know, it depends on what what kind of guy your husband is. If he's more of a athletic guy then or a likes to fish or whatever his hobby is, buy something that falls under that category that he can use. Don't get a gift card, lame, okay, not thoughtful, at fucking all. And I don't even expect you to do that. Although girls are probably like, bitch, what? Wouldn't buy my man a gift card? That's a man move. You know what's not a man move? Etsy. Etsy is a wonderful place for the women to gather to find their gift. And this is why this episode is coming out today because you can't go buy something on Etsy and get it the next week, okay? Personalized is chic and thoughtful and cute, okay? And I think the men like the touch. Monogrammed socks, monogrammed leather wallet, Maybe it's just Jordan and I just have a weird monogram thing. I don't fucking know. I'm totally not going to sit here and take up this episode by rattling off gifts, but let's just do like a 10 second, 10 second power. Okay. Cologne, grooming products, underwear. My favorite are Tommy John's. Can't go wrong. Best men's underwear ever. Like men and women. No, that was not sponsored. I just fucking love Tommy John's getting him an experience for you both and or lingerie and showing up for the date. My go-to. Once you run out of gift ideas, guys, that was the end of my rattle. Just go to lingerie, role play, show up for dinner, be a hot bitch, be a bad bitch, receive the love and then give the love. Okay. That's all he fucking wants. He doesn't even care about the other shit. Okay. As long as you put out, you are good and do more than put out sister. Give it to him. Good. Make him, have him thinking, gosh, I'm so fucking glad I married this bitch. Or if that offends you, lady, woman, gorgeous specimen, my wife, whichever, whichever word of your choice. And ladies, this is me looking out for you. I'm scared I'm going to get hate, but don't go to Victoria's Secrets. Why? Why spend the money on Victoria's Secrets when you could go get some slutty, slutty thing that he's going to love to take off of you within 15 minutes don't waste your money, okay? Like you could get something better, more like you have a bigger selection. You don't need to go to Victoria's Secrets. I feel like it's over. It's time to move on and that there's so many more options. We need to evolve with the times. I'm not just saying you could be like, Jordan, I don't want slutty. I want like more of a classy seductress. That's fine too. You don't have to go there. And I didn't mean to like hate on VS. Kind of just seemed like that. I was just looking out for your pocketbook, sis. Swear. Okay, freaky fam, it's time for la 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 listener questions. I need to get transition music, don't I? Okay, guys, I got some 
personal ones, some dirty ones, some weird ones. We've got a few, but some of them are just really little blunt, little bullets. Okay, man genital piercings, good or bad? Eh, personal preference, right? From my personal preference, I have never slept with a guy with a male piercing. So I don't know. I don't think I have anyways. I do not think that I have. Yeah, mm -mm, no. And I wonder, what well, does it ever like affect you losing sensation? And honestly, it's pretty incredible. That's made me sound like kind of like a slut, but I'm like, really? Out of all of the dicks that I've seen, just kidding. <laughs> no, nope, guess it's not, guess that's not my type. I don't know. Now, would I consider it a red flag if I saw one? I might be like, wow, like, wow. What do you think of a girl that gets her clip pierced? So, and the answer could be nothing. Like, it does not matter. And I have friends. Or, okay, let's be honest. I know two women. One of them is not my friend. And the other one was a girl that worked in a tattoo shop. And so... It kind of made sense. It was like a piercing tattoo shop. And then the other girl who used to be my friend, she was married and she was a virgin when she got married. So she was not a whore. She just wanted it pierced. So no, no harm done. Okay. It, it's perspective, whatever, whatever. Some girls will like it. Some girls won't like it. I bet you it's not a deal breaker. Moving on. Hey, Jordan, your podcast is amazing, very informative, and great to listen to while working out. I was listening to the early podcast about your fuckboys. You said one was well-endowed and one not so much. Can you tell us what your definition of well-endowed and not so much is? Can't wait for Monday. Okay, well, that's funny. You're listening well. What is well-endowed? I guess well-endowed would be seven and up and yeah seven and up seven inches and up I would consider well endowed there we go that was an easy breezy beautiful cover girl answer moving on okay this one I actually brought up during a tiktok live and I got some people responding to it saying like men watching the live talking to me saying what worked for them or in their experience okay your podcast is awesome. I've been listening for the past two weeks and I've learned a lot about women. I hope my question gets selected for the next show. It's here. It's here. My question is, do women care about how much a man comes? I kind of dribble out versus shoot ropes like in porn. I would think women want that strong, huge load rather than a dribble. Second question related to the first, I've recently started taking a supplement called Locked and Loaded to help improve cum volume. Have you heard anything about if this supplement would work? Okay, I've got some thoughts. Well, first off, I will say in my life that the recommendations were one man said peanuts and be peanuts helped improve his load size and that water, like making sure you're really hydrated also was another factor. Okay. So I would definitely try that. And I would also try one guy was like, is he, is he shooting it off? Right. So I not saying that you're not doing anything right or wrong. I'm not a guy. I don't have a dick. And so I am just regurgitating what I was told when talking to other men. And he was like, well, when this guy's pulling out, 
obviously I'm assuming you're pulling out because how would you know what your cum looks like coming out inside of her? Okay. Are you gripping it tight and releasing the cum? Like the pullback, like, like the gun. Are we doing that? Or is it like a spasm and it's just, you know, like it's just dribbling out. So I will say this. I, I know that you'll love me or I hope that you love me because I'm honest and I just tell it like it is. And sometimes I'll try to backpedal after if I feel like I'm not being a good enough people pleaser. But I would, if I was in this situation dating a man and I saw it always dribbling out first, I probably wouldn't have even noticed. And then, or maybe I would have, but I think it's more noticeable if like a load isn't the same size as it usually is. Cause then that's when I'll be like a little toxic and be like, Oh, okay, so he must have gotten off really recently because that's a small load, which that's what that probably means, right? I don't know. Again, not a man, but has the girl said anything? Is I'm more than likely it's probably you being really insecure and making it to be bigger than it is. But if you're super insecure about it, I think that there are remedies. And if you're asking me about locked and loaded, I would look at what the ingredients are before I just bought the supplement and see if that's what's supposed to help you out. Because maybe you don't even need to buy this label or packaging and you could just go buy a supplement that's not branded if you are following me. And if you've been taking it for a while and nothing's changed, then there's your answer. And if no one's like bringing it up to you and saying, hi, Brian, Brian's not his name. I have no idea. It was submitted anonymously. Brian, your cum seems to not be going the 15 miles per hour that, you know, Google told me that cum shoots out at. I want this shit in my eye, please. So I, you know, no biggie. You can play it cool and casual and act like you always want to come on her asshole or like down there on her pussy and then wipe it off of her. Just don't give her a facial. And then she won't be like, wow, that wasn't a facial and I need a tissue. So no worries. No worries, Brian. Okay, lasty, but not leasty. If I'm not mistaken, a couple weeks ago, you said you felt like your husband was trying to control you when he asked you to grow your bush out, but you eventually realized it was just his thing. My wife had the same reaction, and while she lets it get hairy a few times, she said she feels weird about it and doesn't feel as sexy. I was wondering what helped you come around to it. I like her shaved and shaved and hairy, but would like to see a full bush from time to time and, and her feel sexy that way. Well, you know what? Okay. So I did say that and I wish I knew what episode that was off the top of my head so I could refer you back, but have fun in the archive. But what I think is that it just kind of was like me realizing that no matter what I did, didn't change what he, like his performance or wanting to fuck me. And I just did what I wanted to. And then, but that's the thing. I think it's a personality thing. So I like to please, I aim to please. So I want to do what I think he likes and enjoys and is attracted to. So in the beginning, when I felt like it was a control thing, I was like put off by it or skeptical, but you know, seven years in, 
And it's kind of nice because if that's his preference and he really digs that shit, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep up with that shit all the time now. It's a lot nicer or the pressure's off. I can do it how I please. But some girls hate it. They don't want hair down there. They feel gross. They feel, I don't know. But I would ask her as to why that doesn't make her feel sexy and tell her why you think it's so sexy and mature and primal and it just does something to you. So tell her in a sexy way how hot it is or when she does have hair down there, be obsessed with it. Eat her out more when she has hair down there. Be like, give her praise like a dog. Give her a treat when it's hairy. Does this sound fucked up? Maybe, I don't know. I personally think that tactic goes both ways. I honestly think it works better for men, like us women, to praise the good behavior. Uh, But I think that you're going to need to be action-oriented with your praise. But if her love language is of words of affirmation, when you're in the bedroom, just tell her how sexy you find it. And if she's just maybe being stubborn or passive-aggressive or has a stick-up or ass about something, then I can't help you. So you're going to have to tiff that one out with her. But yeah, I would like to hear what her response is to why it makes her feel some type of way. That's all I got. Now, speaking of hairy crotch region, I got to tell you that support for the horny housewife this week is brought to you by Manscaped. Talking about fucking grooming, Valentine's Day coming up. Ladies listen, men listen, both of you fucking listen. Manscaped has some pretty spectacular below-the-waist hygiene grooming products, okay? Geared towards men and their balls, for sure. Now, I will say, do I use my husband's lawnmower 4.0? You bet your bottom dollar that. Now I have my own. But if you're using the same thing that you're using on your face for your pubes, it's, like I said just a minute ago, evolve with the times, okay? Let's not do that anymore. And there's some cool shit about the lawnmower that makes it just the ideal thing that you want on your balls or any sort of precious region, your jewels, guys, your jewels. I also just mentioned ladies getting him a gift that he'll use. This is something he will actually fucking use and you're going to want him to use because like quick story time, I dated a man who I often felt like I was flossing whilst suckling his balls and it wasn't my favorite feeling. We don't really like it. We're willing to do it, but we would much rather prefer a nice manscaped region. Okay. Lawnmower 4.0 is their fourth generation trimmer. And my husband's favorite feature is that it has this LED spotlight. You can turn it off or on and it allows you to see what the hell is going on down there. So, you know, keep your eye on the prize. Who doesn't want that? Safety of your balls are dependent on it. Now this bad boy is waterproof. You can trim up in the shower and you can customize the length and use one of the four guards. And you know what they say about trimming the bushes? It makes the tree look bigger, okay? Makes the tree look bigger. You know it, and I know it. Join the four million trusted men that are already using Manscaped and use code HOUSEWIFE for 20% off and free shipping. 
Ladies, get him a gift he's gonna use. And men, your balls will thank you. One more time, that's code HOUSEWIFE on www.manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. Experience premium grooming with Manscaped. Okay, everyone, it is time for the part of the show where we talk to today's guest. Yes, exciting. Dr. Christopher Ryan Jones is an internationally recognized clinical psychologist and sex therapist. He was the lead researcher of the Menstruation Initiative, which was a global study exploring the benefits of masturbation during menstruation. We're all here for that, which has been covered by over 250 media outlets worldwide. As an expert in sexual behavior, he is often a contributor to popular publications such as Cosmopolitan, Bustle, Huffington Post, and the Oprah Magazine. He is also the host of the podcast Sex Therapy with Dr. Jones. So without further ado, here we go, Freaky Fam, Dr. Jones. Hi, Freaky family. I am here with Dr. Jones, who is currently residing in Germany, very far away, but thankful to technology, we are able to talk today. So hello, Dr. Jones. Hello. It's so good to be here with you. Awesome. I'm glad to have you. I do have some questions that Freaky Fam listeners sent in, but first, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you chose to work in this field. Yeah, so I'm a clinical psychologist and sex therapist. I've been doing this now for, oh, wow, six, seven years. Um, I began my work in sex therapy when I was an undergraduate student, even though I didn't have the title of sex therapist yet. And it mainly had to do with me working with the Army Substance Abuse Program. I had so many people who were coming in with substance issues who were concerned about things that happen. You know, there's there's a lot of connection between sexuality and substance abuse. Wow. So there could be people who, you know, maybe they were too drunk at a party and they engaged in behavior that maybe wasn't consensual or behavior that they later regretted and did things that they were unsure of, as well as a higher prevalence of STIs. And so I knew nothing about sex. That was the okay. problem. I had no idea what to tell these people. So that's kind of when I began my journey into sex therapy. That's super interesting. And just you talking about the substance abuse and sexuality, because I often think about that. I have people writing in saying, like telling me kinks or fetishes they have that they haven't been um, confident enough or secure enough to vocalize to their partner. And every single person, it stems back to like childhood trauma, though. Or like, yeah. or, or whenever their fetish started, like um, men that like to wear panties or women's panties, they started really young or a lot of them have addiction issues. How does that tie together? So I do not follow the addiction model for sex. Okay. Okay. Um, I, and th there's a lot of debate on this topic. The reason I don't is because when treating people who have sexual dysfunctions, um, I do treat out of control sexual behavior or compulsive sexual behavior. And the reason why is because when it comes to treatment, say, say a guy comes in, um, say he comes in with his partner and his partner is saying, oh, my, you know, this guy, he doesn't stop watching porn all the time. He's addicted. Right. Right. Now, this is usually a label that the partner pulls, puts on them that mm -hmm. it's an addiction because we're used to hearing this term in popular society. Mm -hmm. However, when it comes to an addiction model of treatment, it doesn't really work when dealing with something like this. Now, he could have an, a compulsivity 
and by treating it this way. So I think it's important to, to use the terminology of, of out of control behavior or a, a, a instead of addicted. Yes, only because I do think when you say addicted, it does create extra shame around it. You're right. And it isn't very good as far as treating the, the, the problem. But well, that, that was just a question. learning experience for me, though, because I never even thought of it in like that perspective. And I could see how like that's just perpetuating a bad stigma and putting shame around it. Sure. And, and I don't think that's very helpful in helping people, because a lot of times a person who comes to therapy with with an issue, like, let's say porn again, um, they have so much guilt about it anyways. And now I'm telling them, well, you're addicted. You have this addiction. Well, that does one of two things. Either one, they say, oh, I'm a, I have an addiction to porn and they have more guilt, or they say, mm, I'm addicted. There's nothing I can do about it. I'll continue to live this way, even though I'm unhappy with what I'm doing. Right. Instead of using a treatment that, that is helpful to them. Okay. That makes sense. Now, a lot of my listeners aren't complaining. Um, I mean, there are some people that have talked about excessive porn use and I talk about porn in the way of like, I think it's also fun to use together as a couple. And a lot of the couples I'm talking to, the biggest issue is I want more sex and it's from one or the other. And it's, I feel like they usually say the men, oh, the men want it more than the women. There's plenty of women who are suffering in silence or suffering and bitching about it that want more sex. And how do you suggest they go get it? Here's the interesting thing about mismatched desire is statistically in the therapeutic setting, it is often the woman who wants more sex, not the man. Me. So this this is very common. So if you have listeners who are, who are men or who are women and they're like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with my husband? He doesn't want to have sex. This is a common issue. And I think that a lot of this is based around a stereotype that society says men think about sex all the time. That's all they want all the time is sex. And that's not necessarily the case, but this is damaging first to the female because she's like, well, something must be wrong with me because I'm told men want sex all the time. So why is it me? Yeah, exactly. And it, then it has problems with a guy too, because he's like, I'm told I'm supposed to want to have sex all the time. And I don't, something's wrong with me too. So this just perpetuates more problems within the couple. And it actually means they have less sex even more because they don't want to address it. Right. Or when addressing it becomes too big of an issue. This is a very common issue. There are yes. a number of possible reasons why there could be mismatched desire. It could be just the seasons of the year. It could be grief that a person's going through. It could be interpersonal problems with the couple. There's a number of issues, but do you think low testosterone is a big one or not as big as it's made out to be not as big as it's made out to be? Because I feel like that's the first thing everyone says. So, yeah, a lot of people say that. But when talking with clients, a lot of times when discussing things, you'll discover that the man is still masturbating and he has no problem with masturbation or desire. He could still have sexual fantasy. Yeah, it's It's just you. No, it's, you know, it it could be a number of things that he could be going through a period of grief. So suppose I had a couple not too long ago, where it turns out that the husband's grandmother had passed away. And he was dealing with that and grief really does lower your libido. And Mm -hmm. so they couldn't navigate that, but he never dealt with this, uh, the grief that he had in his life. And so we had to work on um, dealing with grief, and then we could work on the issues. So I would say to clients who are listening, um, the first step that I always tell clients is to have a discussion, the most important thing, 
about how often do you want sex? And if they came to therapy, I would typically have them write this down individually. Like, you know, if I, I would ask them the question, like, if you had the perfect relationship, how, how much sex would you, have would sex you be Absolutely. And I have each of them write down the number. And then, and the reason I do this is because if one says, well, I want it five times a week. And the other one's like, yeah, well, I want it four. You know, like, it's not that big of a difference. Yeah. I have them do this separately. So then we can look and I can say, can we reach a compromise? And that's the first step in addressing a compromise, because I've also found that couples who have this issue, a lot of times when we talk about their recent sexual activity, they both had a very enjoyable time. They both liked it a lot. They like having sex. They just want more of it. Yeah. So why haven't you been doing it would be the question, right? Like, what is the problem that's causing you to resist wanting to have sex more often? Do you find that that answer um, pretty varies greatly across the board? Or do you see that there's one specific issue usually you hear over and over? It's a large range, but I will tell you that sometimes it simply comes from one partner feeling like they're failing their partner, right? So they're like, they want to have sex. I'm not doing it. So they kind of avoid it altogether. Hmm, That's interesting. I didn't even think of it like that. Is there a lot of, do you feel like once someone's being neglected that you often see the other person step out or is that just another stereotype? No, I, I, are, you mean like if, if say the females neglected that the male steps out mm-hmm. or if like, like the, if the, if a woman is not meeting her man's needs, that that's when infidelity occurs or either person with either way. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if that's necessarily a good indication. Like, obviously that does leave room to question. And most people do have that question. Like if their partner's like, oh, well, they don't want to have sex, but I caught them watching porn maybe they're cheating with me and having other relationships or yeah, this is often, uh, but I think a lot of that is stereotypical. I think there are usually other issues, not to say that that never happens. Obviously it does, but I don't think that's always the case. That's always the case. Okay. Yeah. I know that I think a lot of men struggle with the uncomfortable, the men I'm talking to, the listeners are saying they don't want to have the conversation and that's what you you have to have the conversation. It's uncomfortable, but that's where you're going to grow. Like there's growth in the uncomfort. And sometimes intimacy doesn't always look like the feel good intimacy. Sometimes intimacy is like a really awkward conversation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to, to see how many couples come to sex therapy and their biggest issue is they have never had a conversation about sex. Wow. This is, this is, this is probably the most common thing. They, they don't, they've never talked about it. They still feel awkward talking about sex, even with their partner, people they've been married to 20 years. They have sex with regularly having a conversation that was very uncomfortable and awkward. That's so, but it's mind boggling to me, but I can see it too. My husband was raised LDS and there was a lot of shame around sexuality for him growing up. And he no longer is a member of that, or he just grew up in that church, you know, and never was a member, I guess, but it was a lot of like erasing some limiting beliefs and some shame around like his body and who he was. And I think that that is why, or some people have trouble talking about it because it was always naughty or bad. Yeah. And it's definitely something you didn't talk about that you do. I've, I work with a lot with religious clients and I'm working with on two books on the topic right now for Rutledge, helping religious clients deal with their sexuality. And that's one of the things they most come to therapy for. Like, you know, like how do I go from being a religious person to being a sexual person? 
how do these two things connect? I mean, and I've heard wild things, you know, from females who would be like, oh, I'd never use a vibrator. You know, God gave my partner everything I need. You're missing out, girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, I'm like, that's not even the point. The point is not that what you need. It's about having fun and enjoying each other and enjoying your sexuality and bonding together like this. I knew girls that would have anal and save their hymen for marriage. And I'm like, bitch, you're still happy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a common, that's such a common thing in religious circles. And that goes back to biblical times, actually. Um, it, really? That, that's, yeah, I sure. thought you weren't well, supposed to put it in the back door. I thought that was a no-no. That that I, I wouldn't yeah. say necessarily um, that that was not an Israelite practice, and I think that's okay. why it's in the Bible. Okay. But I would say surrounding cultures, it's very common in ancient literature to find that anal sex and oral sex were common reasons for abstinence from vaginal sex. Great. I guess because that's the only one that gets you pregnant. That's the only one that gets you pregnant. And in the ancient world, the only way you knew if somebody was a virgin is if they didn't Their have hymen sex. was there. Okay. I know um, this is pivoting a little, but still obviously sex. Speaking of the hymen, I have a lot of women who say that they have sex all the time. Like they're not virgins. They're far from virgins, but sex is so extremely painful for them. And I am, I'm not a doctor. And so I don't have all the, I think everyone's vagina is different. So what do you suggest? Like even positions wise, like what could be a remedy to have more enjoyable sex? So do you want to make this answer really fun and like blow everyone's mind? Yeah, of course. Of course I do. So (laughs) the idea of a hymen is a little problematic. Some women are not born with hymens at all. Oh, wow. Some women, some women, they've done, they've done studies here in Europe where some women who were sex workers who had sex with 100 people a day or more still had a hymen that was fully intact. Wow. So a hymen is never a good indication of any of these things. Okay. Um, the older you get, the more flexible your hymen becomes. And a hymen, just like any other part of your body, if it rips or tears, it heals. So. Oh having this ripped now does blood happen sure but this is usually from other parts of the vagina ripping and tearing during sex um however with partner sex being painful a lot of times it isn't your cervix right well maybe it could be it could be vaginismus or dyspareunia um and these could be caused by things such as stress or anxiety it could be caused from ladies who practice kegels too often thinking they're doing a good job and they're doing it wrong. Not that kegels aren't important. Strong pelvic floor is very important. Wait, I have to know how to do a wrong keg. How do you do a wrong one? Well, it's, it's when they do it too often. Oh, and it's funny. Cause I, I hear women all the time. They're like, Oh, I'm always told to do kegels. Now I have vaginismus. Now I can't have sex without it being too painful. I never want to do a kegel yet. <laughs> no, don't say that. Don't say kegels have, kegels have a place. So for couples who are having this problem, depending on the reason. Now, if you have blood after sex, it's probably vaginal tearing and that's where the pain's coming from. So ignore what I'm about to tell you. However, if you do have pain, um, there's a couple of things I'd recommend. One, I'd recommend some uh, vaginal dilators. So you can start using these to see what size becomes kind of painful and you can kind of become more comfortable with this. Okay. Second thing I would recommend is using um, some type of pillows or things to kind of prop your body in different ways that you can maybe find a position that is less painful for you as well. Is it, so th- is it deep penetration that's hurting or? Depends, depends, depends. If, it, depends if it's vaginismus or dyspareunia. 
So one would be just upon entrance, like it's almost like even possible to get inside. And dyspareunia would be, have a much deeper pain on the inside. Gotcha. Okay. I think that like, there are certain positions that are like perfect for super deep penetration. So they don't want to do those. Yeah. Don't do that. And oh, and another thing, you could also have a problem with, um, I, I call it a size discrepancy. Okay. Which like it's, too it's, big? Yeah, maybe too big. And there are products that you can use, like um, O-Nut makes a wonderful product. They're like little donuts. I was just about to say that. You literally took right. the words out of my mouth. Yeah. The O-Nut. It's like a yeah. lim- it limits. A depth. little donut to put on yeah. a little, little rubber donut to put on the penis. It's like a rubber yes. donut cock ring, but not a cock right. ring. Right. Okay. Interesting. And that could be helpful. Does that ruin the pleasure for the man? No, because most, so just like with the female, most of the female pleasure is in the clitoris, right? Mm-hmm. So most of the male penis and most all of the gland are, are in the head of the penis. And mm-hmm. the frenulum actually is uh, atomically the same area in in vitro that the clitoris is. So that's I've, where all the nerve endings I've are. Heard yeah. that. That's where it feels good. Okay. I had a specific question and I don't know. If you'll know the answer, because I know it's a phenomenon to many, but squirting, you know, anything mm-hmm. about squirting? how can a, a man, a man is asking if how he can help his woman achieve this. And I've taken courses on Beducated about this. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, it's debated and I don't sure. know. What do you think about all of that? Can a man make her squirt? I don't think he can make her squirt. So. You're right. You can go to courses. They'll teach you to do like the come hither method. They'll teach you to do that along the with clitoral stimulation. Yeah. You know, do the clitoral stimulation at the same time. But the truth of the matter is if your partner is never comfortable enough to do that, she won't, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this, this goes with sex in general as well. The best thing that you can do to sex to have the best, most incredible freakiest sex you've ever had in your life is to really make your com- partner comfortable. Yeah. And that begins with having conversations, letting them feel relaxed, appreciate it. And I think arousal has a lot to do with it. Of and if course. there's anxiety in the bedroom, there's no place for the anxiety in the bedroom. Of course. You won't become aroused. Can a gr- is there a certain spot that the guy could be zoned in on? Like if we had to give any advice to a male, on how he could help her. I know you said it's mental, but what technique could he use? So in female orgasm altogether, it all has to do with the clitoris. And my friend, Dr. Lori Mintz has a wonderful book called Becoming Clitorate. And so I would recommend every man read that book. Becoming Clitorate? Yes. Every man needs to read this book because you (laughs) really need to focus on the clitoris. Even if you're doing penetration, Mm-hmm. Focus on your partner's clitoris because most and appreciate girls their body that way. Most girls of don't course. come with just penetration only. Of course. Like what's the percentage of girls that come? Not very many, right? Very low. It tells you in becoming clitoris. She, okay. she, she completely lays this all out because you are right. The very small majority of females orgasm through penetration. So I have a question about masturbation. If I am rubbing, if you, when a girl's masturbating, rubbing her clit, is she like, lowering her tolerance of her clit. Does that make any no, sense at all? Okay. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you, you know, you hear this from guys too. You hear the opposite. You say, 
well, if you keep doing that, you're going to not, you know, you're going to have problems with, with okay. getting erections, you yes, know, right. it's not, it's not a, it's not a, you cannot overuse it. Now your body okay. does change with time, obviously. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, like so you, you can't expect to get a new changes. one. Yeah. For plastic well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's not, you're not going to lose you're not going to lose sensation. Sensation. I always wondered that. I'm like, I wonder if you can ruin nerve endings or something. Yeah. So I know within men, um, the problem could be that if they if they use too tight of a grip and not enough lubricant, that uh, it requires a tight grip, right? Like yeah. you have to. Re- so, but there are ways that you could do this. So, like if a client came and says, "I'm having trouble ejaculating," you know, I can't have I can't ejaculate during partner sex. And then I find out he's masturbating three times a day. He's watching a lot of porn. He's holding this. I would say, well, hold off on that. Don't masturbate for a few days. If you're going to masturbate, use a loose grip or a sex toy and lots of lube. And your penis will become more sensitive to these things. So as a sex therapist, have you found that porn has been really destructive to relationships more than fun in relationships? I think a person's attitude towards porn can be destructive or beneficial in a relationship, not necessarily the porn itself. I I agree with you on that. I agree with you. That makes sense because I hear a lot of women saying, oh, he'd rather, or men even saying that so much use, like the excessive, excessive use has made them look at their wife differently, or they just don't desire her anymore. And it's sure. because of the people, I think. Yeah. They, and, and this, this, this is something that we say that your fantasy does not line up with your reality. And so in these cases, if that, ha- you know, it doesn't have to be porn. It could be any type of media. It could be anything you watch, like you could be like, name an actress. You could be like, I'm obsessed with this actress so much. Mm -hmm. I want to watch every movie she's in, uh, you know, that your entire fantasy becomes wrapped up in this person or thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be sex. You know, some people watch porn that they would never want to act out in their real life. I know. I find that intriguing though, because there's fantasies that you might want to try at some point. And then there's some that truly get you off, get you off. And you're like, I will never, ever do that with you. Right. Why? Why is that? Because it's a fantasy. Like that's, that's kind of like I I told, I told a couple one time um, because they, they came in discussing an issue like this, right? Like, Oh, I caught him watching this. I'm like the Godfather's my favorite movie. I don't think I'm in the mafia. You know what I mean? Like it's a completely different scenario. That's funny. Or that, or the threesome, I feel I hear a lot of men. I think all men, I mean, most men want a threesome. Do they not want to? That's me judging. I don't know. You know, I hear this a <laughs> lot. I, I, I will tell you, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I usually discourage it um, okay, for a lot of, for a lot of couples. Yes, I want to hear. I think I agree I, with you probably. I discourage it a lot. And I get, I get a lot, a lot of trouble with couples who are in polyamorous relationships but then I turn around on those that are in polyamorous relationships and I talk about polygamy and they don't like that at all. Right. Like the, the polygamy so is an issue for um, define the difference of polyamorous yeah. and polygamy. So polyamory is when you have multiple partners. Okay. You have a more, you might have a primary partner, but then you're open to having sex with different people. And a lot of dialogue and discussion is involved in that. And there are people 
who have successful polyamorous relationships. Is that an open relationship? Is that another word? Sort for of. It? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of, it's kind of open, but it, it, it usually involves a lot more discussion. And sometimes they bring in other partners um, for more of a close relationship. So when you think open relationship, you think, well, we're, we're together. We have sex with whoever we want to. Yeah. Polyamorous relationship. You might have three or four partners who are consistent okay. and who are involved. Okay. Polygamy um, depending on whether it's polygyny or polyandry could be one person with multiple spouses. Oh, and, which and, isn't legal everywhere. Not everywhere. I mean, you see in the U S yes, in yeah. the U S it is illegal everywhere outside the U S it's not illegal everywhere. Um, I mean, you see this like in, in Utah, in, you can do it, but you could probably get away with it in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but interestingly, the, the polyamory, People are usually against polygamy, which I always think is interesting. Strange, very yeah. strange. And how does, how do you, have you ever had clients that are in this lifestyle? And polyamory? Or like swingers or open marriages? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And is, do you see more jealousy and drama, if you will, if that makes sense? So what I will tell you is that the polyamory community, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but they often say that their major benefit is their openness and their communication. But I will tell you on a practical level, those who come to therapy, which if you're coming to therapy, it really doesn't matter whether you're monogamous or polyamorous, right. you're coming with the same concerns, right. jealousy. So. so you have a podcast. Let's hear about your podcast. Yeah. So sex therapy, we began in 2020, right before the pandemic started, right? Like that was like uh, a Everyone's friend of like, mine. Wasn't a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't start that way. It actually, the idea came in 2019 when I was doing a bunch of media interviews for like Cosmopolitan and the Huffington Post and all these different things. And someone was like, why don't you do a podcast? So we started a podcast and we got stuck in the middle of a pandemic. And at first I didn't know how a podcast would go over, right? Like I didn't know how this was going to work out if I really wanted to do this and invest this much time. Um, and we have great guests. I mean, we've had Emmy nominated directors. We've had other doctors. We've had porn stars. We've had all sorts of people. And uh, we have a great year planned for 2022. I'm very excited about this upcoming year for, full of shows. Sounds cool. And if you want to get your sex info from an expert, because sometimes I'll pretend I'm one, but I'm not one. <laughs> Google is my expert. So, oops, sorry. That's very interesting. Where can they find you? Anywhere they listen to podcasts? Yeah, it's available everywhere. They can just type in sex therapy with Dr. Jones. And I will put the link in my description box. Me being per, just asking you a personal sex question as if I was in the therapist office with you and the last three, basically the three questions I got from females, the rest of for men, were all asking how they can be sexier to their husband. How can they, what's something new? We all have the same positions, the same things. What can they do to be more sexually appealing to the, to the man, to a man. So I would say that most people, when they think about their relationship, they always think, you know, I wish we could go back to when we first met, we had this hot, passionate mm -hmm. sex. It was so great. But the reason it was so hot and passionate is because you and your partner were having conversations like, what do you like in bed? What are your fantasies? What are the, th does this feel good? Does that, okay. This is what we do early in relationships, right? Right. And then we expect five years, 10 years, 20 yes. years later that the partner is going to want the exact same stuff all the time. Our taste in everything changes. Yeah. 
our bodies change, what sensitive changes, our fantasies change. So it's important to rekindle the relationship by um, becoming inquisitive about our partners, finding out what they like at that time. Like, oh, is there any new stuff you like? Is there any new stuff you want to try? And then approaching sex and approaching your relationship like when you first got with your partner. Do you recommend looking at the porn they watch and trying that? Or do you think it's better to ask them and be like, I, well, I notice you like this porn. So do you want So that? there are some therapists who do this. I do not recommend this only because I know for some females, when therapists prescribe porn, they, they have a couple issues. Like they're like, oh, they compare themselves to the person on the screen. Like, you know, so uh -huh. this could cause problems with self-esteem, which would just reflect. So I don't necessarily do that. I, I think it's really important to go out to dinner, your favorite restaurant, and then say, so what is it that you like now? You can even make the waiter blush if you want to by yeah. talking about it in front of him. But it's important to rekindle that romance and find out what is it that turned you on now? Like, is there something that you really like that we haven't done? Is there something you're curious about? Because it's, we all have things we're curious about and this all changes over time. And then also not like judging and freaking out by their answer. You need to like keep your poker face if it scares you or else they're never going to tell you again, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that happens. I, I see clients all the time who are afraid to tell their partner about what their sexual fantasies are. I know that's a bummer. Everybody deserves to hear it. Right? Everybody deserves like we are. We are free to have fantasies. That's what makes us human. Right. Thank you, Dr. Jones, for talking to us, me and the freaky family. I learned so much. Go check out his podcast, Sex Therapy. You can listen anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Thank you, Dr. Jones. Thanks for having me. And you can find the link in the description box. I will put it there. Okay, freaky fam. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Jones. I feel like I butchered his podcast name. It's Sex Therapy with Dr. Jones. So go check him out if you enjoyed hearing what he had to say, all the insight and perspective he had to offer. If you liked this episode and you haven't subscribed already, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. And it does make me sad in my heart, very much so. So please subscribe. And if you're on Spotify, guess what? You can leave a review now. You can rate. I don't think you can type a review, but that's okay, baby. Five stars makes the blues go away. Big smile on my face. It makes me horny. Please rate and review if you can. Much appreciated. You can follow me on Instagram at the horny housewife podcast underscore on Instagram. Okay. And TikTok at The Horny Housewife. I go live over there a lot. So follow over there and you can talk to me, ask me questions in real fucking time. Or if you want to submit a question anonymously because it's horrifying and disgusting and you're afraid to own it, go to www.thehornyhousewifepodcast.com, submit on in, and I got you. By the way, I answer all my DMs on Instagram. I love you. I'll see you next Monday. Goodbye.